American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and as always, we'll go over the match day results. So on Friday night, we seen Mainz 3, RB Leipzig 3. Going into Saturday, we seen Wolfsburg 2, Nuremberg 0, Hertha Berlin 3, Stuttgart 1, Borussia Mönchengladbach 2, Hoffenheim 2, Bayern Munich 3, Hanover 1. We've seen Werner Bremen 2. Borussia Dortmund 2. Yeah, we'll talk about that in plenty. Into Sunday, Schalke 0. Osberg 0. Freiburg 1. Fortuna Dusseldorf 1. And finishing off the weekend, <laughs> prepare yourself for this. Bayer Leverkusen 6. Eintracht Frankfurt 1. Yeah, what a match day. But joining me, as always, is Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? Bryce, very well, thanks. Um, back from a nice little holiday in Barcelona, which was very nice, uh, apart from the scoreline. Bit of a strange weekend. I think the title race is over, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, that's it. We'll not talk about that result uh, midweek, and we will talk about the uh, Bundesliga results, and yeah, I've, I fear you could be right on that one. Um, joining Chris and I, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, Bryce. How about you? Not too bad. You didn't seem too happy yesterday when we were messaging around. You just seemed a bit down in the dumps. Yeah, it's. Um, I guess we were all kind of hoping for an exciting conclusion to the league, right? And um, this is no disrespect to Bayern or any other club, but you kind of hope that it goes down to the wire. And uh, it seems like that it doesn't because, you know, that's that's more or less all we really wanted. Head of the season, we didn't really care too much who's going to win it, but we wanted that final match day where everything is still to play play for, and I, I just can't see that happening right now. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it, it, that result, uh, well, both the results over the weekend mean that Bayern Munich are at the top of the pile with four points going into two final match days. Nobody has uh, turned around in Bundesliga history since the points change from two to three for a win. Um, has pulled around a four-point uh, deficit uh, with only two games to go. So things do not look good at the moment, do they? Chris, let's talk a little bit about Bayern first. Uh, they won 3-1 against Hanover. And, yeah, I mean, it just seems like business as usual in the Bundesliga for them. Well, well yeah, it's business as usual. But it wasn't a a thrilling 3-1 victory. Um I don't know how you can win 3-1, go top of the Bundesliga and, and still have people um, be critical. But unfortunately for Nico Kovac, that seems to be the case. Um, by half-time, obviously they were 2-0 up. Then Hanover pull a goal back, makes it a little bit uncomfortable um, right to the very closing moments. Um, it looks pretty grim for, grim for Nico Kovac now and... I do feel sorry for him. I think he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. But yeah, it was just another match day for him where even though they won, um, it's there's still questions over, is he the right man to take them forward? Um, I don't even think the double spares him. Um, maybe not the sack. I don't think he'll be sacked. Is it, they will say they will part on mutual terms. Um, I can't see him being there next year now. And, and that is terrible because... He looks like he could win the double. Um, there's just It's just not the right fit, is he? And I don't think that's his fault. I don't necessarily think it's Bayern Munich's fault, but it's like a square peg in a round hole. Um, but as far as the club are concerned, I think pretty much this result 
um, combined with the result uh, um, in Werder Bremen, pretty much hands Bayern their seventh straight league title. If it doesn't, Bryce, then you definitely won't have a job next season. No, he definitely won't. Good Lord. Uh, Chris, do you feel that then uh, you know, the head honchos at Bayern have already made their decision deep down, you know, regardless of what happens in these final two match days uh, and obviously the Pokal final? Do, do you feel that he's probably out of the job regardless? Well, there's been a bit of a battle, hasn't there, between um, Honus and, and Rummenigge. One likes him, one's not particularly keen. Um, and I think on this particular outcome I think he, he may he may go which I do think is a shame for him I think he's an excellent coach uh, he did very well at Frankfurt keeping them out of um, Bundesliga 2 took them to two back-to-back Pokal finals obviously won one lost one um, won the one against Bayern I thought that sort of set him up well for this season but there's not been the best player harmony in the dressing room the dressing room's still not right if you read between the lines in all the reports in the paper so yeah, it's unfortunate for him, but yeah, I, I do think now that the decision has been made. I mean, this isn't an exclusive bio; it's my personal opinion. I, I, I'd be shocked if he was there this um, this time next year. That would be a shock. I'd be shocked if he was there in July. Yeah, Manu, would you agree with Chris that you know you'd be a little bit surprised if you know, if he does remain in the job? And, and do you feel that you know just it's kind of um, all pointing towards that he's going to exit? I mean, the player disharmony in the dressing room I mean, I mean there's meant to be a transitional period at Bayern now isn't there your players maybe leaving moving on and you know, new players coming in younger players uh, would that not work in his favour because at least those players that come in you know might build up a bit of a reputation with them rather than thinking who's this guy we, we've had loads of managers or sorry loads of head coaches at, at Bayern over the years and we just don't really like the cut of his chin I think that there's a lot going on behind closed doors especially between Karl-Heinz Rummenigge and Oli Hoeneß and while they always do sit together on the stands and they are they are very close friends um, you know a lot of those former players at Bayern, that's something that they've been very good at, is to integrate former players into the size of roles at the club. And while they are a band of brothers, so to say, they also manage to be um, very much in discourse with each other. And they also often have conflicted opinions that have have been something that has helped the club going forward because oftentimes these discussions and um, the friction causes productivity at the club. Now, going back at Bayern, Rummenigge and Oli Hoeneß have seldom be, been on, of the same opinion, even though they've you know always managed to get a consensus. And you look at the certain opinions and certain things that are being discussed at Bayern at the moment, you look at the whole Hamas-Rodriguez situation, for example, right? The, the fact that Rummenigge very much outspokenly is to keep... James Rodriguez, pay the 42 million euros and keep him at the club and go that risk because, you know, he's a player who has, who is fantastic. He was our Bundesliga player of the season last year, but is not necessarily the, the kind of player that Bayern or Nico Kovac needs, right? So you have Romanigge saying we should keep him. Yeah? There's his 5 million followers on Twitter. It's a huge social media presence, big player name in South America fantastic player on his day too but there's also the fact that Bayern not necessarily need that sort of player right and that's Oli Hoeneß's opinion Oli Hoeneß says no we probably don't need him now more and more reports coming out of the Bayern camp are suggesting that Hamas will not stay at Bayern um, beyond the summer that Bayern will not trigger the, the clause now I'm not saying that's done deal because you know it, it's just it just seems like there's two political camps almost now, that in turn would suggest to me that Hoeneß is currently having the upper hand when it comes to the opinion battle of how to proceed into the next season, which, of course, is good news for Niko Kovac because Oli Hoeneß is 100% behind Niko Kovac. He thinks he sees something in himself in Niko Kovac. Um, once again, I have to kind of backtrack a little bit. Oli Hoeneß ended his career when he was 27 because of a meniscus knee injury and went straight into Bayern's management sporting director position from there and basically built the club from that position onwards. And 
as a young manager, of course, he also made mistakes, but the club stuck to him. And that's what he sort of sees into Niko Kovac. The other thing that he, why he is so adamant to stay, to stick it out with Kovac is because back in 1991, he fired Jupp Heynckes, even though, um, the, the results were against Heynckes. The press was against Heynckes. A lot of people at the club were against Heynckes, but his gut feeling said it was the wrong decision. He did it anyways. Now, looking back, Hoeneß has been often said that that was the biggest mistake of his life, to fire Heinkes back in 1991. Of course, we all remember Heinkes came back and won the triple with the club, right? So I think Hoeneß is very much backing up Kovac at the moment. And his gut feeling, and Hoeneß is a gut feeling man, he makes all his decisions based on gut instinct and has done that, has, has, has worked very well for him, right? I remember one decision too, Rummenigge wanted Klinsmann, Hoeneß wanted Klopp back in the day. Bayern signed Klinsmann, and we all know how that turned out. So I think if Hoeneß gets his way, Kovac will stay. The question is, though, of course, the CEO of the club is more of the operating manager than the president at the moment. And Hoeneß was gone for several years. He was in jail for tax evasion, right? So the real question is, and this is really what's fascinating about this whole debate, is who is going to come out on top in the end? And that will determine whether Kovac will stay or not. Very interesting, eh? Well, I suppose time will just tell as to who wins that battle and whether Kovac does manage to um, remain in his position. Um, Chris, I, I feel that you know we we're talking about Joe Byron winning this game, and you know that they've been on a fantastic run, especially in two thousand and nineteen. Um, you know, putting them back on the pile, top of the pile, and you know that they came back from so many points from behind. Um. And now we're talking about things that are a little bit more negative. We've got to have some positivity to say on Bayern, have we not? You're clawing this uh, title campaign you're back, really. Well, yeah, of course, because at one point they looked well out of it, didn't they? And um, Borussia Mönchengladbach had pushed them down into third place. And, and they've turned that around um, through hard work and through playing better football than they did. But I think that's just another example of a coach like Kovac working out his problems but having to do it in a very public arena I don't think you get the sort of pressure that comes along with the job of Bayern if he was in Frankfurt still he'd be able to make the odd mistake he'd be able to ride a couple of bum results um, unfortunately when you're at Bayern Munich you don't get that luxury because Bayern's expectations are to be winning the league and to be winning the Pokal and to be in the latter stages of the Champions League every single season and um, he has gone through a transitional phase. He's got new players in. He's fallen out with players. He looks like he's made that up sort of with some players um, since the turn of the year. And yeah, they've just gone about and done their business while other teams around them have either stuttered or, or fallen or in some cases pressed the self-destruct button. So yeah, you can't say that um, Kovac has, has had a negative effect on this Bayern side because at the end of the day they were what seven eight points behind at one point they're now four points in front that's a pretty good turnaround and you can say oh well Dortmund have have slipped up or they bottled it or they threw in the towel in and everybody else around couldn't keep up the a title push and even look at Leipzig this weekend um, but Bayern have, have still had to go and do the business um, it's whether people think it's because of Kovac or in spite of Kovac so there will be people within Bayern that will have said, well, the, the players have done it. And there'll be people that have said, well, the coaches had to work hard on the training ground and turn things around. And we only saw, was it this week? I think it was this week. Earlier on this week, um, he took them out on the training ground and thrashed them. Um, and some of them didn't like it. Well, you know, unlucky. If your coach wants you to work hard, then you work hard. And I think maybe it's, it's showing its results now because there's been times throughout this season when Bayern have been undone by teams who are quicker than them and who are faster in transition and who like to press high. Um, and he wants to get more out of his buying side in the last few games, so he's trained them harder. And some players didn't like it. Well, yep, that's unlucky. Um, and that's sometimes where I don't have any time for players because I think their expectations um, and their sense of entitlement, um, I think, takes them above and beyond what they are. They're players at a club. They're assets that belong to a club. And if the club have put its um, faith in a manager, then the players should fall into line. Now, that rarely happens, I know, uh, uh, throughout the whole of Europe. And, you know, Eintracht Frankfurt are going to play one team that are famous for it throughout 
England and Chelsea who just down tools if they don't like a certain manager and, and they've done that plenty of times in the past. Um, but luckily for Bayern, they didn't down tools. They went on um, and look, they won this game three one. It wasn't their best performance, but it was their um, it was a nice finale for the likes of Frank Ribery who got a goal coming off the bench and you know, he won't be there next season either. Um, but in things for a plus and not being negative, Nico Kovac has taken Bayern to the top of the league and he's taken them to the Pokal final. I just think it's the Champions League where um, he's been let down a little bit. But then I think that was more sometimes the players' fault as well. Maybe it was a shared responsibility that them going out to Liverpool and they would have liked to have gone two or three rounds more, perhaps. Um, but yeah, there's people... I don't think Bayern fans can be can be down um, because they are, I think, going to win the league. It's going to take something special for them not to win it. And from watching RB Leipzig lately, I pretty much think that Bayern will have the knowledge and the um, experience to win the Pokal as well. So it should be a league and cup double, which isn't bad when you've had a terrible, in inverted commas, season. Yeah, not at all. Eh? It's good that we're able to point at some uh, positivity there for them. But... Uh... Obviously, it takes two to tangle um, in this uh, title race, and Borussia Dortmund did themselves no favour. They were playing in the late kickoff game on Saturday away to Werner Bremen. They were 2 0 up, the first goal coming from a, a rare Christian Pulisic start after only six minutes, and then Paco Alcazar scoring a lovely free kick on the 41st. Uh, unfortunately, it all went a bit pear shaped there. Um, obviously, Berkey letting in a, a bit of a howler, the ball going between his legs to make it 2-1. And then our man Pizarro, eh? we always enjoy seeing him score, but maybe not so much when it comes to making the title race so interesting, making it 2-2 after a defensive blunder. So, um, yeah, Manu, what exactly has happened, Dortmund, here? They they lost the Riviera Derby last week, and then they've, they've threw this one away in the second half as well. It's... It's been a bit of a disaster when they've just had to keep up with Bayern. They haven't been able to. Yeah, I think this game actually, Bryce, was the, the Dortmund season in a nutshell. Um, they started really well. Outplayed Werder, Werder Bremen for about 60 minutes or so, right? Um, and were fantastic to watch, even without Marco Reus. Uh, my man of the match actually was Christian Pulisic, a player I've been very critical of this year, but I thought he, he actually came on and um, was asked to replace Royce and and did exactly that. I mean, he was not to fault. Um, you know, it wasn't Marco Royce's absence and the players coming in to replace him that that made this result what it was. So for sixty minutes, they were absolutely brilliant. And then a shot from outside the box, um, Möwald's shot goes through what we call the the, the Hosenträger in German, right through through the legs and. This is this is something that you know. From there on, it was like a turning point of the game. It was like pretty much, it was pretty much the the equivalent of when Dortmund gave away that three nil um, against Hoffenheim, right? That from then on, it just fell apart for them. Manuel Kanji could have easily just seen the ball out into the up past the byline. Doesn't Augustinson lets it can cross it in where Pizarro, of course, when Pizarro even at 41, if he's free inside inside eight yards of a goal, I mean that's a goal, you know, that's just how it is. It's two two, and then they were very lucky that there wasn't a penalty. I think that there should have been a penalty by the, the way we the, the laws of the of handball are set up currently. I think it should have been one. So then they could have even lost the game, and then it would have been definitely. I think it's the title race is over, but then it would have been definitely over. So it's kind of like the season in a nutshell for Borussia Dortmund. I think the one thing that I really want to point out, though, and I, I, we already alluded to it last week, is that I was asked by an American colleague um, off the record after the game, um, who's, who's watching the games of Dortmund in particular, doesn't pay too much attention off the league, which is fine. It's not a criticism at all, by the way. Doesn't someone at Dortmund need to be held accountable for what happened here. I said, well, look, this, who do you want to hold accountable for this? They're going to finish second in the league with 70-plus points. Um, given where they were the last two seasons, 
and the project and the things that were put in motion ahead of the season with the whole rebuild, with bringing in new players, rebuild the site, give Lucien Favre, this is a three or four year project, by the way, the time they rebuild the site. The fact that on match day 32, following match day 32, there is still a sliver of a chance to win the title. I don't think anyone in Dortmund expected that this year. And um, who do you hold accountable for something that was more or less expected. I think the disappointment, the, the real disappointment here, and I think this is something that, of course, a lot of Dortmund fans will be disappointed, is the fact that there was a chance and they didn't take it, right? Because Bayern were weak this year and the, the, the Bayern had, had gave them an opening that they could have taken. Um, maybe, but who do you hold accountable for the fact, you know, for, for delivering what you more or less advertised? Dortmund were quite honest and frank ahead of the season that they were not going to win the title, right? Halfway through the season, they said, okay, there's a chance, let's go for it. But I think they, Dortmund delivered what they advertised. Is it disappointing that they deflated like this? Yeah, I think it is. It absolutely is, but you can't really hold anyone accountable for it. Yeah, Chris, would you agree with Manu that maybe it's a, a little bit of a Dortmund being a victim to their own success at the start of the season? Um, or Or do you think... That you know we we maybe shouldn't look at it that way, and that's really you know that they've thrown this away, and that they they should have done a bit better in the end. I don't think anyone can be held accountable. So what I don't think is that um, you know Berkey should be shot or um, Favre dismissed. I don't think anything crazy like that, or or Akanji you know gotten rid of. I don't think anything crazy like that. But what I do think is that Borussia Dortmund are four points behind, and they picked up one point from their last two games. So. They had they should have really won both of these games, um, and that would have made them um, two points clear with you know one match day to go. Um, which uh, sorry, with a couple of match days to go, with two match days to go, and that I think would have been more reflective of their season because they have had a fantastic season. I, I just think when you come down to the business end, if you need to win your last four games to win the league and you don't do it, I, I think that's. I think that becomes a bit of a problem um, and it either becomes a problem mentally because you're not used to it um, and you can't take the pressure or it shows a weakness of some sort. Um, and as I say, I'm not advocating that anyone's sacked or anyone's sold um, because I do think they've got a good team. And I know Berkey made a terrible mistake, but at times throughout this season, he's been phenomenal. Um, and we only have to go back to the first game of this year, 2019, when he played at RB Leipzig, and he, he was the man of the match. He was fantastic, and that's not his only time he's done that this season. Um, but he does have a mistake in him. So do they look at up, upgrading the keeper in the um, summer? Who knows? Um, but I'm not an advocate of, of chopping anyone from this team because I think as a unit, I think they've, they've played very well. Um, you don't get into second place by playing poor football, um, although Schalke on is the last season. But I'm going to stick with it that I don't think anybody should be held accountable as such. There's no witch hunt going on. But really, with four games left to play and the um, the decision in your own hands, um, it, it should have been Dortmund that were top. If I was if I was in the boardroom at Dortmund, I would be very disappointed that um, they have thrown it away, especially against Schalke, who are a side that couldn't buy a win. Um, and who have drawn nil-nil again for, what, the eighth time this season they haven't scored in front of their own fans. It might even be more than that. Um, it's not a good result. And, and to be 2 nil up against Werder Bremen with, what, 20 minutes to play? Um, and the first goal goes in um, on 70 minutes. So there's still 20 minutes to play. They should be able to see that out. Um, and as we've seen, as Manu's quite rightly said, once this side leaks one, and they sort to go into panic mode, and that's exactly what happened five minutes later. Um, so, yeah, I am disappointed for Borussia Dortmund that they're not top of the Bundesliga, and they're not within tusting distance of their first title in, in seven years. Um, but I don't think anybody should be held accountable. So, probably not on the fence, Bryce, but I'm disappointed. But, uh, I mean, Chris, you would say that this was probably... Um, a, a completely different scenario uh, in, in the two clubs. I mean, Kovac um, obviously could win the double, as we're saying, and could be out of the job. But Favre, you would imagine that his job's going to be pretty safe after all this because overall that has been a, a pretty good campaign. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Lucien Favre is the man that um, the Dortmund hierarchy wanted. Uh, they eventually got him. 
um, last season. They would have liked him then, but he couldn't come. Um, and they, you know, they had two managers to see them through a disappointing campaign. Um, and unfortunately for Dortmund, when they do finish second this year um, and get through to the round of 16 in the Champions League, it will be seen as a disappointment. But if you look back over the past season or two, um, apart from the Pokal victory, then you know the club's moving in the right direction. So that's why I don't think there's any any problems towards Lucien Favre um, and his job because if he's managed to do this in inside of 12 months when there's a project going on what can he build on next season um, it's just how much will those around him strengthen because this season it's been a two-horse race for the most of it and Dortmund look like they're unfortunately going to lose that I think when Nagelsmann goes to Leipzig it'll become a three-horse race um, and he's got an extra problem to deal with so I think on the whole for Dortmund, it'll be disappointing that they don't win the league this season. Um, you know, stranger things have happened in football and we will, we won't know who's won it um, until, you know, it's fully decided. There's still always that hope in football. But I think Bayern have gone about their business professionally and I think Dortmund have slipped at a time when they shouldn't. And I think that's what Bayern have got over Dortmund. Even though they've had all their problems, they've got players with a winning mentality that when it comes down to the business end of the season, you know, when, when we're getting out of February um, and we're either running to the title, that's when Bayern's um, dominance has started to take over and they're able to grind results out. Not as frequently as they would have liked to in the past, but they've been able to grind results out this season, which has put them top again. And look what they did to Dortmund in that high-pressure game. They absolutely destroyed them. Um, so, yeah, at the end of the season... You, you don't finish anywhere by luck and, and Bayern I think will win the title and Dortmund will feel bitterly disappointed that they haven't been able to stop Bayern winning again because will they be able to do it in next season or the season after? That's something we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, well that's something we'll, we'll put to uh, Manu here. Um, talking about next season and this the season's coming up, but I, I think in a little second we'll, we'll talk about you know, what type of uh, transfer business both sides uh, we'll be doing this summer, but before that, I mean, do, do you feel that there's going to be a challenge uh, next year, or do you feel that you know Bayern are going to dominate for several more years coming up? Yeah, that's that's a narrative been emerging a little bit, right? That you know this was a once in a lifetime opportunity to dismantle Bayern. I'm not so convinced it is the case that you know Bayern will dominate the league in, in similar fashion than Juventus have done in Italy or PSG have done in France. I think I think there's always a chance of a bad year. There's always the fact that Bayern will be very much in transition next year as well. You know, Ribéry gone, um, Robben gone. Those are two very big personalities in the dressing room. Um, what's going to happen with Manuel Neuer? Thomas Müller is um, reportedly unhappy with Niko Kovac once again. Um, what's the situation with the head coach? Will the likes of Benjamin Pavard and Lucas Hernandez, who have had injury problems following the year, World Cup year, will they be able to come in right away and you know replace the towering defense that was Boateng and Hummels? I, I did a piece earlier, um, a few months ago, on Lucas Hernandez, looking at some of the numbers. And boy, Boateng and Hummels, in a bad year, were still some of the most outstanding defenders in Europe. You know, Not alone in Germany, but in Europe. Their numbers were enormous. Right? And they have to come in and replace that. Are they able to do that? It's a big question. And who are Bayern going to sign to replace you know, that, that speed on the wings? Um, Serge Gnabry, of course, and Coman, that's two very good players. But that's only going to be two, right? Is Alfonso Davies going to be able to make that next step and become the player that we all hope he's going to become? And especially Canadian listeners, you know, is he going to become that world star? that he's been marketed at, um, is he going to be able to make that transition? It's a big question mark. What about Robert Lewandowski? Are Bayern going to sign a forward? Are they going to go with Timo Werner? Are they bringing Luka Jovic? Are they going to not hope that Vita Arp becomes that striker, that talent that he's been built at but hasn't shown in a year? You know, So you can invest a lot of money. There's lots and tons, tons and tons of examples of clubs that have invested lots of money and had no success. So I'm not 100% convinced that this was a once-in-a-lifetime chance. I mean, we don't even know who's going to be the head coach next year, right? So there's going to be a, a bunch of things coming together. And yes, you can buy success. Um, it's 
definitely possible. But it's a lot more difficult, I think, in the Bundesliga than it is in other leagues. Because the, especially right now, a lot of other clubs are doing very good jobs. I mean, we've seen some of the results today. Um, we've seen what Leipzig has done this year, you know, in a transition year as well. They were very good. They're getting the best coach in Europe. Yes, they might lose Timo Werner, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, when you look at the players that they have signed for very little from their own Red Bull system and integrated right away to play very big roles, I think that they can do a very good job next year and they can, they can challenge the likes of Bayern. I think Dortmund are going to bring in two or three players. Um, they've, I, I saw some financial numbers and I tweeted them out earlier where they, it very much, they have done a phenomenal job catching up financially to Bayern and the gap has closed from being close to 400 million euros to being less than 200, right? In terms of revenue, yearly revenue. And they've done it, of course, by selling players, but they, by closing the gap, they're less and less dependent on selling players. So I think, I think those are factors that you have to keep in mind. Yes, Bayern will invest big, but the rest of the league has gotten better, not weaker. Um, so I think it's not going to get necessarily easier next year. In fact, I think Bayern need to invest not to just win the Champions League, but also to keep winning the Bundesliga. And that's something maybe a little bit new to them, right? That transitional generational change. So I'm, yes, I'm not buying the, oh, Bayern are going to dominate the Bundesliga for the ten, next 10 years um, storyline. I think there was a good chance to dismantle them this year. There will be a good chance next year as well because we there's so many X factors. Well, very quickly, Chris Williams, uh, just before we head um, further down the table, um, who do you think Dortmund might need to invest in over the uh, summer period? Uh, is there any areas of particular weakness that you see? Well, weakness might be um, a harsh one um, to, to to aim at them. I think they've got a very good starting eleven. It's what can they do from the bench? Um, I don't think Dahoud has lived up to the expectations that everybody um, thought he'd have. Uh, Maximilian Philip, I think, was um, hampered by his injury um, shortly um, after the start of last season. I think he was going on to become the player that I think we all thought he might be. Um, I think that was tragically cut short by injury. I don't think he's ever got back. Um, top rack um, has not been the, the defensive stalwart that players thought he might be. Um so in where do they need to strengthen? I think they need to strengthen on their second line because if you look at who's going to start, um, Alcacer, Sancho, um, Royce, uh, Mario Gotze, um, I think their forward line is pretty good on paper. If you look in their midfield, I think the, the two that they've got, Witzel and Delaney, um, are excellent together. Um, and then then it's their back line, which could possibly do with strengthening um, definitely needs an extra centre-back and you could probably argue that they need a right-back and a left-back because both Piszczek and Schmelzer need to have um, an upgrade um, if they want to be challenging for three trophies next season. That's not to say they're bad players, it's just I think they need to do tweaks on the squad. And There's a lot of press um, speculating that Julian Brandt could join. I think he would be a fabulous sign-in. There's also lots of interest from... And PSG, and if you believe the papers, Liverpool also. So it'll be interesting to see if Julian Brandt leaves. Um, and it's going to be a, a tough one for Dortmund because, as I say, I think week in, week out, their starting 11's great. It's just they have a problem from the bench. Um, and I don't think at the moment um, that Bayern have had too much of a problem because they've been able to rely. Um, on the likes of Gnabry, and they've been able to rely on the likes of bringing Hammers in, and even Muller's come off from the bench on occasion. Ribery, Robin, they won't have that option next season. But even if Bayern have been supposedly poor, they've still had a stronger bench. I think that's where Dortmund's problem um, lies. But it is a transitional, and this is why Favre said, and why Dortmund said it's a two- to three- to four-year project, um, because they don't have the money to just go out and spend three, four hundred million. They'll have to do it over a set number of seasons. Um, and I think they'll get there eventually. Um, it's just I don't think, as the well, famous saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. And I don't think Dortmund are going to be um, have a, a strong start in 11 and five or six players that they can rely on on the bench um, to come off and, and make a big difference in a match if it's going wrong. Um, I don't think they'll have that for a couple of seasons yet. Well, I think that more or less does it covering the top two uh, for this week. Um, let's see if uh, Dortmund in the uh, final two match days can pull off somewhat of a miracle and 
Byron maybe help them with that by dropping some points. Highly unlikely, but you never know. Okay, so let's move down the table. We're going to leapfrog over RB Leipzig, who are a little bit in no man's land, sitting in third. And we're going to talk about the teams battling it out for the final uh, Champions League spot in fourth. So we've got sitting in fourth, Eintracht Frankfurt, 54 points. Then fifth, Bayer Leverkusen, who are in great form after a fourth win and quite an emphatic victory today over Eintracht Frankfurt, 6-1. Yep, seven goals, one half, unbelievable. On 54 points, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach drew 52 points, Wolfsburg 52, uh, Hoffenheim 51. So yeah, that's three points between fourth and eighth. Um, really quite... Competitive, obviously at the top of the Bundesliga, but competitive in this area and still is going into the final two games. Um, Manu, where, where do we even start by talking about these uh, these four sides? It's the other title race. Let's call it that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly if, if, if we think that part of the uh, league is finished um, up at the top, then there's there's still plenty going on here, isn't there? It's very exciting, I think, the, the Champions League race with two games left. We don't know who's going to finish in that fourth place. And that's, that's great because it is, it is important for the league and the league going forward who's going to represent um, the Bundesliga in Europe's premium competition. And I think, you know, <laughs> I think there's, there's three sides in particular that could do a very good job doing so and those three sides in my opinion are Frankfurt, Leverkusen and Hoffenheim um, all three of them have a pedigree and I'm not talking down Gladbach or Wolfsburg I just feel that Gladbach the second half of the season have been too disappointing and they're going to be in a big rebuild next year so I'm not sure Champions League is necessarily something that will suit them very well and Wolfsburg I mean Wolfsburg have been a surprise team for me um, they've done excellent this year but you know, they're also going to replace coaches and um, we don't know how big of a commitment Volkswagen is going to have there. So I think, I think though Frankfurt, Leverkusen and Hoffenheim, if one of those three sides make it, they, they will do really well. Hoffenheim, of course, were in the Champions League this year and now have that experience. Leverkusen have a long history of playing in the Champions League, including one year where they made the final. And they probably, in the last 10 games in the Bundesliga, have played the best football. In, in the Bundesliga. I saw a stat today that they currently, based on current form, are the, probably the second best team in Germany. And um, Peter Bosch football, so very hot and cold. Um, Chris, you, you said to us on WhatsApp earlier today, um, you know, 6-6 six, six after 6-1 lead, or 6-7 after 6-1 lead would be peak Bosch football. You just don't know what you get. Thankfully for Leverkusen, they actually managed to, to shut it down in the second half and get that result and uh, finish with that result. Um, but yeah, I think that they would be fantastic in the Champions League. It would be great to watch them in the Champions League. And Frankfurt, we've all seen what they've done in Europe this year. They've represented German football like no other side have. Um, I think that when you look at all the disappointment that we've seen from the likes of RB Leipzig, Borussia Dortmund, Bayern, um, Hoffenheim have all been disappointing in, in the Bundesliga. Leverkusen as well. Um, they have all been disappointing in European football. And Frankfurt held up the German flag to the very end. They could still make that final. And we're going to talk about that Europa League semi-final against Chelsea in a bit. So they could still make that final. And I think that with that Europa League experience going all the way, that would suit them very well in the Champions League. So it's an, it's a an fantastically exciting race because we just don't know how it's going to end. And the thing is too, some of those games that will take place might have a big say in where the, if the title is still going to go anywhere else but Munich. Those two, those clubs could play a role in it as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, Chris, I suppose this is where, you know, maybe our attentions is going to be, um, uh, pulled now that the, uh, the title race is seemingly over. Um, it, immensely entertaining isn't it especially with this weekend's results yeah it is and there seems to be a couple of sides that maybe don't fancy playing in the Champions League anymore they've um, they, they're going off the boil I think the big losers um, this particular match day Gladbach and Hoffenheim um, I think a draw did neither of them any good well they did Hoffenheim more damage than it did Gladbach um, but I mean Frankfurt they could be forgiven for having one eye on Thursday night, 
um, but six one drubbing isn't particularly the best warm up for it. Um, but I'm I'm with Manu. I think out of the, the three teams he mentioned, I think they would be the best bet for the top four. And whoever does get it eventually, um, I think will deserve it. And at the moment, on current form, uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see um, Bay Leverkusen in there. But as we've said before, Bay Leverkusen are playing um, Schalke next week, and Schalke have been terrible. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Bay Leverkusen get beat by Schalke after winning 6-1 against Eintracht Frankfurt. That's just how hot and cold they've been this season. Um, I mean, and next week, perchance, in Gladbach could get themselves back on track. They're playing Nuremberg, um, Wolfsburger at Stuttgart. You know, these are teams now who have got one eye on next season or after the season has finished, a very crucial playoff place. Um, and then Frankfurt, I've got Mainz and... I think it'll all depend on what happens on Thursday for uh, for Frankfurt. I think if they get past Chelsea, the game against Mainz could almost become irrelevant for them because they will obviously focus um, on the Europa League final. But then they could have a say in getting automatic um, qualification if they just beat Mainz and can get something against Frankfurt. So, yeah, Manu's quite right. The last two games for Bayern... Um, I don't think if you were Nico Kovacs, you could have picked two worst teams to play. You've got um, RB Leipzig, who will want to send a message out to them before the Pokal. Okay, they're they're sitting fat, dumb and happy in third place, qualified for Champions League, no problem for them. But they will want to send a message out to Bayern that they're not going to roll over in their last home game. And then they've got to go away to Eintracht Frankfurt, who, if they are out of the um, Europa League, will be wanting to try and nail down a fourth place finish. So, Whilst I think the title race is over, um, because I can't see Bayern dropping um, enough points to let Dortmund back in, I can see them dropping points in one of these games. It's just I'm not particularly confident that Dortmund can go out and beat Dusseldorf and then get something against Gladbach. Um, That's why I particularly think it's over. But yeah, the race for fourth is as good as it's been for the last few seasons now. and it, it, this is going to, you'd think, go down to the very last day. So there are still lots to look out for. And I think all the fans of Hoffenheim, um, Wolfsburg, um, Bayer Leverkusen and Gladbach and even um, Hoffenheim will be um, looking forward to the last two games to see if they can make that step into the, you know, the, the top table where everybody wants to sit on a Tuesday and a Wednesday night. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting and a closely fought battle, isn't it, in those last two match days for that final spot. And Leverkusen, especially after today, have um, shown that they're very eager for it and on great form. That was uh, four wins in a row for them. But uh, Manu, if we talk a little bit about Eintracht Frankfurt, yes, we've said they've really brought something special to Europe this year with their displays uh, you know, at home with with the crowd and, and spectacular football uh, for the most part. Um, how do you feel they're going to get on against Chelsea? We, we've seen it a 1-1 draw um, last week uh, on Thursday night. Um, they go to London this week and you know, Chelsea have been very much hot and cold in the league uh, but they are a tough opponent for this Eintracht side that aren't exactly on the best of form. They've, they failed to get a win in the last four in the league. It's a very difficult one to, to answer, isn't it? I thought, okay, today's game, football, it's, it's very hard to take a league performance and then translate it into... We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. (music) 
what could happen on a Thursday night. I think you have to completely separate the two events, right? Because uh, a Europa League semi-final with everything still to be played for is a very different proposition than a Bundesliga game. Um, you, you know, mentally at least and physically, you will try to mobilize everything you get. So um, if you're Chelsea and you're looking at this Frankfurt performance today, um, I wouldn't take too much away from it. And I, I'm pretty sure Mauricio Sarri and the, the coaching staff at Chelsea are aware of this. Um, um, the Thursday game I thought was really interesting because for 40 minutes, Frankfurt rattled Chelsea. Um, they were absolute dominant. Chelsea didn't know what to do with the atmosphere at the Waldstadion. It was loud. It was noisy. Frankfurt hit them very hard. Um, but Frankfurt failed to score a second and third goal. And um, out of nowhere, Loftus-Cheek made it 1-1. And then Chelsea were in control for 40 minutes. And then in the last 10 minutes, you had the sense that Frankfurt were pushing again and maybe trying to get that second goal. Overall, I thought Chelsea were the better team, but there were glimpses where Frankfurt were better, right? Um, so I think the one, and we, we chatted about this off air before we got on this pod, is the fact that Chelsea are qualified for the Champions League already, right? Is a big, big, uh, big factor in this because, you know, for English teams, the Europa League really only is interesting if you, you as an avenue to qualify for the Champions League. And for Frankfurt, I mean, um, the title it would be enormous. We've seen what they've done, what, what happened in Frankfurt when they won the DFB Pokal Finale in Berlin. Chris and I were there. It was, it was enormous. It, 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 it mobilized the club. It mobilized this entire city. There were 40,000 people in Berlin from Frankfurt, right? They have carried those amount of fans all over Europe. Today in Leverkusen, there was a lot of Frankfurt fans that stayed till the very end, even though their team was losing 6-1. And then you could see the players going towards the fans then, and they were clapping and applauding them and sort of like riling them up for this big game on Thursday. So maybe this is an, is, is a big advantage. The fact that they still, you know, that, that is a big trophy, but also maybe the only avenue for them to qualify for the Champions League. Um, I'm really curious. I mean, Chris, you always describe Chelsea as hot and cold. Um, they only have one game left in the Premier League. They have that game left now in the Europa League and then potentially a final, maybe even against their local rivals, Arsenal, right? Um, how much do you think they will care? Um, or will they care? Or is it maybe, the, maybe okay, we've job done. Um, we got the Champions League. It, why, why would we care about what's happening in those last few matches? It's a, it's a very good question. Um, my understanding of, of Chelsea and of Chelsea fans and, and the club, and don't forget we visited as a, as, a, as a network. I've been to Chelsea numerous times, um, both in the Champions League and also I think in the Europa League. Um, and this competition doesn't really sit well with them. Um, it's not a competition that they would appreciate. Um, it certainly wouldn't save um, Sarri's job if he goes and wins um, the Europa League. And people will go, so what? Rafa Benitez won it with Chelsea um, not that long ago. It was it was taken with a shrug of the shoulder. Um, Chelsea have got their eyes on a bigger prize. Chelsea want to be Premier League champions. They want to be Champions League winners um, again. Um, and they will be very happy that they've qualified um, for the Champions League already. Um, and will it affect them Thursday night? I don't think it'll affect the players because um, players are very professional. And you offer the player a chance to win a medal, a chance to win a trophy, and they'll take it. It doesn't matter whether it's um, you know a, a curtain raiser to the season, something like the, the Super Cup in Germany or the Community Shield in England, um, or you offer them a European final, they will be there. I think it's a little different for players, but for their fans um, and just the mindset that they've had since they've um, become a force to be reckoned with, since Abramovich took over and you know bankrolled them early on and, and made them into champions and a team that was getting into Champions League finals um, on, and certainly the latter stages of the Champions League regularly and then eventually winning it, um, I think the Europa League's looked upon as um, as a second-rate trophy. I think the Chelsea fans would look upon the Europa League the same way as they would do if they won the Caribou Cup, the English Football League Cup over here. It's just a bit of a second-rate competition. Um, and I think that is somewhere that Fra uh, Frankfurt could um, get in and could use to their advantage where 
you know, we've all seen what this competition means to to the fans of Frankfurt and to the players and and to the city of Frankfurt. What the Europa League means to them, I think it's a completely different mindset. It's looked upon as a valuable trophy to win. Where I think Chelsea will just look on it and go, yeah, okay, we won it. Well, it's not the Champions League and it's not the Premier League, and you know, we finished third and we're miles behind Liverpool and we're miles behind Manchester City. Um, I think it will be still regarded as a bit of a disappointment, as strange as that sounds. Manu, can we just uh, talk uh, very briefly about how good Bayer Leverkusen have been uh, in recent times? I mean, wow, wow, what a result today. I mean, they they were emphatic and they even had to score for Eintracht as well. Frustrating, isn't it? You you, You see how good this side can be at glimpses. I was there when they, when they absolutely destroyed mines. I was at the game, right? You see the game today. You see at times the brilliance of the individual players that they have assembled. And then you see that they're fifth in the table. And yeah, maybe they could finish fourth uh, and they might finish fourth. But you just see that and you just think say, this, this team, and I stick with my preseason prediction that I got a lot of slack for. Um, they should have challenged for the title with the players that they have. And they didn't because they were an absolute mess on and off the pitch. Um, and it's just, that's maybe something that I find frustrating because you can see at times, you can see this Leverkusen side doing amazing things. And Chris said it earlier, um, it wouldn't be beyond them to go to Gelsenkirchen next week and lose. <laughs> you know, that's just how, how they've been. But yeah, they were absolutely brilliant today. I think it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep two of their prize assets next season because Kai um, Havertz is wanted by a lot of people, um, you know, not just in Germany but outside of Germany. And Julian Brandt's attracting a lot of interest. I think if they were to lose one and maybe two, both of those players, I think it would be a hard ask for them next season to replace that sort of quality. And if they do find somebody to replace that quality, I think the management over at... Um, Leverkusen will have done exceptionally well. But I think for me, it's all about keeping this team together. A little like the Ajax side that we've seen go through the Champions League this season, full of real talented young players, but now at the risk of getting cherry-picked by you know teams that are just that level above them. Um, and I hope for Bayer Leverkusen's sake that that doesn't happen to them in the summer. Yeah, they need Champions League football, right? If they get in the Champions League, then they could. Then Kai Havertz will stay. I think Julian Brandt will stay too. Because then they, they can, their transfer value goes up significantly and the amount of money that they can earn at the next club will go up significantly. Um, I, I, I like that um, parallel that you are drawing to Ajax because I think talent-wise there isn't too much between those two sides. It's just like, are you going to be able to get that horsepower on the pitch? Right? Are you going to be able to find that balance between attack and defense? Remember, Ajax took a few years until they got that. Um, they had Peter Bosch, of course, and then they, Eric Ten Hag, the former Bayern youth coach, um, who's given them the tools to do what they've been doing this year. Um, it takes time sometimes. And of course, you know, once you get it all going, then the big European clubs come in and they cherry pick you anyways. But yeah, I think Bayer, if they're able to keep Julian Brandt and Kai Havertz for next year, they're going to be a very, very strong side. But, uh, Bryce, I guarantee you one thing. I will not pick them to win the title. Oh, you've, you've taken all the questions away from me. I was going to say, do you think that uh, Julian Brandt would uh, uh, possibly, and Kai Havertz, possibly stay, um, even if they're, or basically is it possible that they'll stay, even if there is Champions League football, you know, with all this interest? You kind of uh, alluded that it's going to obviously put their price up. And then I was going to say, you know, are you going to put money on the table now and just say, that's it, they're going to win the, the league next year. But um, now you've, you've kind of ruined all my fun. But anyway. Let's... No, I'm picking Bayern next year. <laughs> well, <laughs> Me too. I... Okay, well, yeah, rather safe bets, I suppose. Yeah, um, I, I, I'll pick, no, I'm, I'll probably just pick Bayern as well, actually. But anyway, um, guys, let's talk a little bit um, about... Uh, uh, the relegation and promotion and where you guys will possibly 
be going in a few weeks. Um, it, it's all up in the air, but we, we know uh, one thing, uh, and that is that Stuttgart are going to be in that relegation uh, playoff battle. It is, unfortunately, results have went there or against them, and, and that's... That's that for them. Uh, but who will they be battling against um, is still up in the air. So, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like it's going to be Hamburg, does it, Manu? Well, you, it could. I mean, in terms of where we're going, it could be Hamburg. Well, I, I'm just meaning that they're not doing themselves any favours. They lost once again this week, didn't they, to, um, to Ingolstadt. And that was at home. I mean, things, things are not looking positive. But in saying that... Um, uh, Union Berlin lost, uh, Paderborn yeah. lost, uh, no one wants Eidenheim it. lost, St. <laughs> uh, Pauli even lost. I mean, you know, I, I know that it's uh, too far away from them maybe, but all the top sides lost this weekend. But we know it's not going to be, we're, we're, I mean, we're going to Köln to stay there because it's central and then we can like um, be part of the promotion festivities um, on Sunday afternoon. But um, so we know it's, we know it's going to be, uh, Köln, I think, is pretty much secure to go up. Um, I, I'm pretty sure they they're going to get that one point that they need to go up. Uh, but yeah, you're abs- you're absolutely right, and no one wants it. I mean, Paderborn um, and Hamburg are only separated by one point, and smack between them is Berlin. I I personally think, um, yeah, I I think for personal reasons Berlin would be the best for us, but. I mean, Hamburg against Stuttgart in the relegation playoffs. Oh, now that would be would be quite a match. Um, you know, two giants of German football going against each other. I I, I think that w- that would be very very fascinating. But right now we we simply don't know which way it's gonna go. And it's it, it, it's I mean the Bundesliga two is always fascinating because of the way it pans out. But you just look at. Who's going to play Wu next week, right? And I think the the fact that Paderborn and Hamburg are facing each other, and then Union are playing the East German derby against Magdeburg, I, I think we will have a pretty good idea of of what's going on. And then, of course, uh, Chris's and my plan is to be in Bochum on Sunday to see um, Union Berlin play in Bochum and potentially celebrate going up. Um, to the Bundesliga, or finding out that they're not, or that they have to play in the relegation playoffs. Yeah, Chris, um, it's it's all a little bit up in the air for you, but I know one thing: you guys are going to have a, a hell of a good time, and I'm I'm going to have a, a a bit of a task keeping you guys out of the pubs uh, before the we podcast uh, on those days. <laughs> um, we will remain professional. Don't you worry about that, Bryce. Um, unfortunately, for Hamburg, you know, they haven't been professional at times. I can't believe. That we look at these two clubs, Cologne and Hamburg, and everybody thought that there's your one and two. Just fight it out between themselves. Who's going to finish first? Who's going to finish second? But it would definitely be Cologne and Hamburg. And at the minute, it's not. At the minute, as we stand, um, you know, it, at the end of match day 32, I know Cologne has still got to play um, on um, on Monday night. But it, <laughs> Hamburg are, are, are at the moment out of the, the top three places. And if you look at how they played this season, I mean, their home form, they're ninth in the home form. Um, There's teams above them, like Darmstadt, who have got a better home record. And the fact that they fell to um, Ingolstadt this weekend, who are 17th, uh, sorry, who who are, um, Ingolstadt was 16th, um, just puts the whole um, Hamburg season into picture. I mean, away from home, Great, they're they're second in the table. Cologne have got the best away form, and they're slowly fall, and they're just slowly or you know just backed up by Hamburg in second. But their home their home form in a Volkspark Stadion has been woeful. Um, you know they've got a negative goal difference. They've got um, twenty five points from sixteen games at home. That's terrible for a team that wants to go up. Um, I would seriously worry. For this Hamburg side, if they went up, that they would just be straight back down again. Um, and I think you could probably say the same for Paderborn. Maybe Union Berlin have got enough about them to, to really um, escape and maybe finish 14th or so. But yeah, as it stands at the moment, um, it's not looking very good for Hamburg. But this division's so close... 
that in two match days' time, it could be completely different. Yeah, Manu, Chris is obviously pointing out um, who he is thinking uh, may survive in the Bundesliga. If, if you were to look at uh, at the table, including Cologne as well, who are sitting on top and they play on Monday night, which one, which of those sides do you think will actually survive more than just one season in the Bundesliga? Only Cologne. I think that you know the way Hamburg, the, the, the financial problems that they have, they would go up. Um, and Hamburg are a, a massive club, and yes, the, the TV money they, it would help them. But um, I, I think this sounds really harsh, but I think I think actually a second year in the Bundesliga too might help them to sort of rebuild the side a little bit because I saw goal impact statistic um, and goal impact at ahead of the season had them ranked ninth in Bundesliga too. So that they, the fact that they're going in, in fourth place with um, two match plays to play and a chance to still go up um, means that they actually outperformed expectations. Of course, we all had the expectations. They went down, they had a massive club, they will go straight back up. But you know, when you look at the actual squad and all the problems that they have in their squad and the players that they've been overpaying for years, like someone like Zorka who made 4 million euros a year, uh, Holtby, Hunt, all these guys that haven't delivered on a big stage in a long time, making tons of money, um, you almost wonder if like they have to get rid of all these players, and they are, and um, bring in some young talent from the very good youth academy, and maybe just rebuild, you know, and maybe going straight back up will just lead to them investing in players that they a can't afford, b are not as good as the money that they have to spend to get them. So maybe another year in Bundesliga two is what they need. Köln will go up and. I think I still think that them getting relegated um, at the end of last year, even though they had a horrible year, um, and yes, the table doesn't lie, but I think it was it was more of an accident than anything else. And they have that foundation; they have a very very strong foundation, and they can go up and they can do well in Bundesliga. Paderborn, fantastic! What they have been doing in Bundesliga, too, fantastic stuff. But you have to remember that only um, let me get my, my timeline right. Three years ago. They were on, they were technically relegated to the fourth division, right? So they they like the best yo-yo, the best example of a yo-yo club in German football. So I think the Bundesliga is maybe just a bit too much for them. But I think that they will go up uh, to the Bundesliga at the same time. Well, that's it. Speaking about Hamburg and possibly them having another season down there to uh, recuperate may not be a bad thing when you look at the table uh, goal impact uh, Manu that you mentioned made me think uh, I wonder what their goal scoring has been like um, I knew that they weren't scoring that many goals but 41 goals in 32 games you have to go down to 13th or below to find that type of uh, scoring record which you know, is is not the scoring record that you want when you're going into a tougher league to and score I'm, in. I'm glad you're pointing that out Bryce because look at look at Paderborn with their 71 goals right just what I was about to bring up. Yeah, and Cologne with a 76. Yeah, and that's the sort of goals that you need to carry over into the Bundesliga because, you know, your goal scoring is, of course, significantly going to go down once you're up, right? But they have that foundation. That, you know, let's say the goals are half next year when you play one division up. That's still enough goals to potentially, potentially stay safe. Yeah, absolutely. So... Well, we'll just have to see how the final match days pan out uh, and where you guys end up. Um, that more or less does it for this week. I think we've we've covered um, covered plenty as usual. But Chris, what have you got going on this week? I I hear you've got to go see a game on Tuesday. But will we just bypass that one? Well, no. Um, Any time we get to go on location um, for Football Grad Network is a worthwhile. Um, a worthwhile opportunity and yeah I'll be at Anfield for the last time this season um, you know and as a network we've had fantastic access to Liverpool went all the way to Champions League final this season I would suspect it's not going to happen this current one um, but you never know magical night at Anfield um, you know, can they do it again and Liverpool have done it before um, I just think it's probably a little bit too much to ask to keep Lionel Messi and co um, completely scoreless. Um, but I will be there. I'll be at Anfield on Tuesday night for Football Grad Live Network um, and we'll see how they get on. I will be more interested um, from a German perspective to see if Ter Stegen can um, perform as well as he did last week in a fantastic game. Um, and I was lucky enough to speak to um, Valverde at uh, Barcelona who... Um, 
gave me a great little answer on um, Joachim Love and his position on Manuel Neuer, and you can find that on um, fushballstart.com. Fantastic stuff. Good work, Chris, on behalf of the Football Grad Network. And, of course, I was just being either, well, you can say a, a pessimist or a realist. I don't know. But, um, Manu, what have you got going on? I coming up uh, this uh, this week um, and also how did how did it go with the start of the Canadian Football League oh that was a great success um, I've covered the first two games here in Victoria for prosoccerusa.com so that those articles are are online there so if you want to go check them out it, it's been a fantastic occasion I, I think that um, given the that this is a brand new league with brand new teams I was especially um, surprised by the level of play which is of course um, not up to the standard of the top leagues in Europe but it it, it was surprisingly good you know um, I would say around third division in Germany um, which is very good when you just kick off so that those articles can be found um, on prosoccerusa.com for football grad network um, of course the previews <laughs> the last last set of big uh, big volume previews to be done um, on European football of course the Two Champions League previews. I'll probably do them right after this podcast, and then the Europa League preview. Of course, Frankfurt going back to Chelsea, and then we're going to cover all those games in depth. Chris is going to be in Anfield. We're going to cover the Ajax game as well. Do the Frankfurt uh, return leg, and then um, it's time to go to Europe. Very excited about it. Our, our annual Football Grad Network trip to Germany. Um, you know, to cover the final match day in, in Germany, live on location. So yeah, keep up with at Football Grad Live. All the action will be on there. Yeah, very exciting close to the end of the season. Um, I will not be with um, you fellas next week as I am on a friend's stag do. Provided I come back in one piece, um, then uh, I'll be here for the final uh, match day, uh, Bundesliga match day uh, podcast the week after. Um, but um, yeah, I think that more or less does it, um, covering all the uh, German action once again. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn 11. And until then, I'll fade us in. <laughs> Auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.